Over to God. Well, good morning to you all. Wonderful time of worship. Thank you, worship team. We're going to be over in your, your Bibles today in, in Mark, as well as over in Matthew. We're looking at a story that we refer to every now and then, but apparently we haven't gone over this for a little while now. So we'll, we'll be over there in Mark chapter 9. But last week, remember, we looked at Mark chapter 5. We saw with Jairus. And Jairus, being the father, had, a, had the ability to give permission to, for Jesus to minister to, to his family so that his daughter would not die. And that Jesus just had to keep him in a place of faith. And told him, don't, don't fear. Don't you fear. We looked at the woman from the region of Tyre and Sidon. And we saw that she was not in a position to receive a miracle for her daughter. Though she wanted one. She wanted one greatly. And Jesus had the opportunity, had the time. But he wasn't going to minister. We, we looked at what Jesus was called to. We saw that he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And that she was not among those. So she was not in a spot. Isn't it, wouldn't it be nice if we never had any prayer, prayer failures? <coughs> That'd be the best thing. Is everything we prayed for worked. Well, see, sometimes we just don't understand how prayer is working. And we overstep our bounds. We overstep our jurisdiction. Jesus knew what his jurisdiction was. His jurisdiction was the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she was not in it. If he would have prayed for her then, I would expect that Jesus would have failed. Because that's not where the anointing carried her, carried him. But in engaging her in conversation, he got her located in a certain spot. And once she located herself in the place of faith, and she, with her mouth, put herself in that place of faith, Jesus could then minister to her. He got her in a place of t- t- to minister. So we, we don't always spend enough time with people. We just wanted to go right to praying and go on. But sometimes we have to spend some time praying. Sometimes we have to hear from God. God, what do I have to do to move them into a place where they can receive? Sometimes we have to do that with ourselves too. What do I have to do to move myself into a place to receive? I'm not in a place right now. I know God wants me to have that. I know that I want to have that. I know I want that to be done, but that's not being done right now. What do I have to do to get myself in a place to receive? And so he did this with her. Just another scripture in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. When Jesus is dealing with, he calls them vipers. He says, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good tidings. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil tidings. But I say to you that every idle word... Men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So by her words, she put herself in a place to be justified. She put herself in a place to receive life. She, by her words, put herself in Jesus' jurisdiction. Because it's always faith that pleases God. And she put herself in that that place of faith. And Jesus was able to minister to her. Because of that. But I want to take a look at another situation here in Mark chapter 9. In verse 14, Jesus had spent some time up in the Mount of Transfiguration with his three of his disciples, James, John, and Peter. And when he had come down, come to the disciples, after coming down off the mountain, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, 
What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. Now, is this boy in a position to give another person authority? There's a couple of ways you can have authority with people. One is you're born into that, that, uh, that authority structure. You know, your children are born into your authority structure, and they have, you have authority there. Now, it's temporary. There comes an age when they leave that authority. There's also people who, who give you permission. They give you permission to have, have authority there. Now, that's limited. And it cannot go away as soon as they pull that permission from you. There's also position. Sometimes we're going to have a position over folks. And that also is a limited area of authority. But you can have that as well. But is this boy in a position to, to give that authority to anyone else beside his father? He's not. He can't even speak. He can't say, Jesus, I want to be free. He has a mute spirit, it says. And this thing would come upon him and throw him even into fire. Who, what person wants to get thrown into the fire? This, this spirit is doing things against his will. Now, he had a father who could. Have you ever looked at those folks? Maybe you've got some people in your family or some people that were close to you, acquaintances, so forth. They're in a, in a bad situation. They're either comatose or they're sedated. They're, they're dying. The doctor says there's not much we can do for them. We're just waiting to see what, what happens. And people want to have the compassion of their heart. They say, oh, we just don't want to see this person go. They're not born again yet. They are born again, but they, they just don't know what they... Can we just pray for them that God would heal them? But we don't understand that person has already put some things in play. Be careful what you put in play. Because if you get to a place where you are comatose, where you can't speak for yourself, where you can't change those words, you'd be condemned by them. For by your words you are justified, and by your words you are condemned. There are people out there who think they can live any way, which way they want to, and do whatever they want, disobey God, and then in the end just turn their life over. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes people who are in a bad situation health-wise have put themselves there by the words of their mouth. You can't go in there and undo it. You might want to. You might like to. It might even be, God, God even may say, I'd like to too. But God does not overstep jurisdictions. You have jurisdiction over your life. You can yield that to God the Father. You can yield that to the Holy Spirit. Or you can retain it yourself. It's up to you. What are you going to do? If you live your life in such a way as to not yield that control to the Holy Spirit, uh, yield that control to God the Father. If you don't yield it, you're going to be stuck in a position where that's what you do. That's where you go. Now, this young boy had a father who could speak for him and had authority in his life. If you've got somebody who, has, who needs ministry, who's the authority in their life that you can speak through? If they're an older person who's already left the authority of their mom and dad, more than likely you can't use them. But listen to God. We're going to get 
We're going to get more into that in just a little bit here, but just listen to God. That in your spirit, God will speak words to you to tell you how to do things. So Jesus asked him, he said, how long has this been going on? Verse 22, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe. See, the Father is coming on behalf of us. Jesus is speaking to him. Because he's the one in authority. The young boy can't speak anything. He can't speak doubt, unbelief. He's, he's mute. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. He was conscious enough to know that he had belief and unbelief going on inside of himself. I know I have belief in here. I've also got some unbelief going on. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, what that basically means is time is getting short. These unbelievers, these, these uh, naysayers, these people are going to come over and speak all kinds of weird stuff. They're coming over. We've got to take care of this now. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. Why do many say that? Because most people just look at what they see, and that's where they make their judgment. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Why could we not cast it out? So even though the father came, he had an epileptic child. He had a child that went into convulsions, a, a spirit that would try and throw him into the fire, throw him into the water, try and destroy him. Even though they realized this was the spirit that was there, they went out and they cast out the spirit. Even though other spirits had already left because they had commanded them to go, this one wouldn't go. And so they said to Jesus, how come we could not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, that's kind of the shortened version of it. And if we go on over to Matthew, we get the longer version of this. In verse 19 of chapter 17 over in Matthew. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say that this mountain move from here to there. And it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, let's take a look at the question that he asked, they asked Jesus. They asked Jesus, why could we not cast out the Spirit? Why couldn't we do it? So here's his answer. But Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. So why couldn't they cast out the Spirit? Because of their unbelief. And that the, and that's the reason that Jesus gave them, right? I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Now, I told you before that even though we don't see mountains moving around all the time, apparently it's possible, and you can command them, and they will move. He said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And what people have come up with is that there are certain prayer and fasting demons that are out there, that unless you pray and fast, you can't deal with them. And that's wrong teaching. 
Because Jesus has not prayed or fasted. He fasted for 40 days in the wilderness and then he went off into his ministry. And then the Pharisees picked on him. He said, how come you and your disciples don't fast? And he said, well, when the bridegroom is present, you don't fast. There'll be time when the bridegroom is gone and then they will fast. The, the demon spirit did not go out because Jesus had prayed and fasted. The demon spirit went out because he was filled with faith and not unbelief. The problem for the disciples was unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Now think about this. They had gone out. They had been in other places. They had cast out demon spirits. I'm sure that they fully expected when they started this that this demon spirit would go too. But somehow this demon spirit did something and didn't respond positively to that. It responded differently than some of these others that they had gone up against. See, that's a problem we come into sometimes. When we've been dealing with a thing and the way we've always dealt with it, we try and deal with it again. And this time it's not working. You know, just going over to the natural, say that you wanted to, say in your 100-day challenge that you're doing, say that you wanted to lose weight. And whenever you wanted to lose weight before, the best thing you ever did was cut down on eating. And so you did like you did before, you cut down on eating, but all of a sudden you're not losing weight. Well, wait a minute. Always happens when I cut down on eating, I lose weight. Why is it not working this time? And we can begin to think, well, maybe I just can't lose it. Maybe I just can't do this. Because when we attack something the way we always attack it, and suddenly it's not working, hmm, makes us doubt. So somehow doubt worked into the disciples because it didn't respond the way that it, that it should. You'll have this even with sickness and disease. How many of you have had times when you had sickness and disease, you learned about faith, and you began to command sickness and disease to go, and sickness and disease was leaving? And then all of a sudden sickness and disease stayed. Wow, I thought this stuff worked. He said, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Well, since the problem was unbelief, then what has to go out of you? Unbelief. You've got to get that unbelief out. So prayer and fasting doesn't deal with the demons. It deals with you. It gets the unbelief out of you. There is a, a remnant of unbelief still in us. And as we get rid of that remnant, we find out there's still some more. And then there's still some more. Because the higher level I go to, the more my faith is taxed, and the more I find out is weaknesses. That's not a bad thing. He said, he's giving you the cure for it right here. Go out there and do some, spend some time prayer and fasting. Spend some time praying. Spend some time fasting. Take authority over your flesh. Prayer and fasting deals with your flesh. It doesn't move God. You cannot pray and fast and move God to do something. God either wants to do it or God doesn't want to do it. What's his word say? Does his word say this is what his will is? Then that's, that's his will. Prayer and fasting is not going to change the will of God. God wants to do what God wants to do and God does not want to do what God does not want to do. God will do what he can do. Prayer and fasting isn't going to change that. It changes you. You haven't gotten the benefit of praying, praying and fasting. Get the benefit of it. What it helps you do is to, to pinpoint your flesh. I remember sometimes we started some, some group fast here at church. And um, uh, one person came up to me and they said, you know, I never eat breakfast. But since the day we started praying and fasting, I was hungry when I woke up. I said, I'm never hungry when I woke up. <laughs> All of a sudden he was hungry. Why? Because your flesh, you declared war on your flesh. You said flesh ain't coming after you. 
And your flesh says, oh, no, you're not. And I'm not going down without a fight. And your flesh will rise up and it will try and fight. And you've got to rise up and be tougher than your flesh. And put that flesh down. But understand, if you pray and fast, understand what you're battling. You're not moving God. God's not impressed by your fasting. He's not impressed by how long you go without food, how long you pray. He's not impressed with that. But our flesh doesn't like it. Our flesh likes to indulge. It likes to enjoy things. And our flesh likes... I mean, you all know your flesh, flesh likes praises. It likes people to be nice to you. It likes good things to go on. These are the kind of things that we like. And if we're not getting that, our flesh begins to rise up. The worst part about it is when our flesh pretends to be our spirit and we listen to it. Then we get ourselves into some trouble. There's other things you can do besides food. You confess anything that your flesh enjoys. Just because your flesh enjoys it doesn't mean it's bad. Just because flesh likes pizza doesn't mean pizza's bad. Pizza can be good. Your flesh can enjoy TV. Doesn't mean TV's bad. Can be. Doesn't mean that it is. Whatever things your flesh likes, hold it back from it a little bit. Stay in control of that flesh. That flesh wants to control you. If your flesh controls you, it's much like a family that is controlled by the little child. You know that's not going to work. All kinds of things happen that, are, that shouldn't be going on there. You're, the little children are not supposed to control the family. The parents are supposed to control the family. But, you're, but fasting and prayer can take care of this. It can work this, this out. If you've never spent a day fasting, you ought, to do it. you ought to do it sometime. Just go out there and say, I'm going to fast today. You might just do juices. That's fine. You can do water. Just water. and nothing. You can fast all kinds of ways. You can sometimes just say, you know what? No desserts for a week. That'll get your flesh some attention. There's all kinds of things that you can do as a fast. Now, some people want to go out and say, I'm going to do a Daniel fast. Daniel wasn't fasting. Daniel didn't want to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Wasn't a Daniel fast. Well, I'm going to go on a Moses fast. Moses wasn't fasting. Moses just didn't eat. There's a difference between fasting and eating and not eating. If you were in the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights, I bet you you, didn't, you wouldn't be thinking about food either. In the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights, I'm going to do me a Moses fast. Yeah, right. You're going to be in the presence of God? I'm going to do, my, I'm going to do an Elijah fast. Yeah, you're going to get some of that uh, angel cake? See, we make these declarations... And they're based on ignorance. You go on a fast. Go on a fast that's going to wake up your flesh. Declare war on your flesh. See, it's your flesh that wants to rise up and not be submitted. It's your flesh that has a problem with authority. It's your flesh that rises up and does these things. Don't let your flesh do it. Stand up against your flesh. It's your flesh that pulls you down in depression. It's your flesh that gets you unsatisfied. Don't give in to your flesh. It's your flesh that gets you to feel negatively about people. Because you go over to 1 Corinthians. We've gone over this how many times just even recently. 1 Corinthians 13. What's love do? Believes the best. Hopes all things. Believes all things. This is what, what love does. 
suffers long and is kind. Flesh is not like that. That's not what flesh is like. Go over to Galatians, you'll find out what flesh is like. God wants you to be free flesh. If you've never taken a day and just, just fasted, forget the dietary parts of, oh, I'll do that and I'll cleanse myself out or oh, maybe I'll lose some weight. I've never heard that fasting really helped too many people lose weight. Don't worry about that. What's the purpose of the fasting? Put my flesh under. Give myself the reign over my flesh. That's what you got to do. Why could we not cast it out? Because of your unbelief. Got to get rid of that unbelief. So there are no prayer and fasting demons. Don't look for them. You're not going to find them. The devil might want you to think that there are. But there are no prayer and fasting demons. They aren't out there to, to do that. But take on some time. Take, you know, If you've never fasted before, a day is going to be a, a good thing for you to take on. Because that can be hard. Now, don't go doing this thing that, uh, well, I fasted all night. No, you do that all the time. That's not, uh, that's not fasting. Fasting, you're going to feel some hunger. You're going to get hungry. You get through one day, you might want to do two days sometime. You get through two days, you might want to do more. You might not. I told you, this part Brother Hagin taught us. He taught us, uh, he did fasting days. He had, I think, one, one or two days out of the week he would fast. And then the Lord spoke to him. He says, I'd be, uh, said, fasting is good. He said, but I'm more, hap- I'm more satisfied with a fasted life. So he asked him, he said, what is that? He said, that's when you go through every, each day. Don't always eat all that you want to eat. Don't always satisfy every craving that your flesh has every day. And just live like that. Now, I didn't just go out of Ramah and start doing that. I went from Ramah. I did some one-day fast. I did some two-day fast. I did some three-day fast. But then eventually I moved on over and just, just did a fasted life. To where all my meals, I don't always eat all that I want to eat. I don't always eat as much as my body says, oh, keep on eating, keep on going. No, body, you had enough. Sometimes I'll hit a, hit a meal and say, you know what, I can skip this meal. And body might be saying, yeah, you can eat, you can eat some. Yeah, I know I could, but I, I can skip this one. Keep your flesh under. Because one thing about your flesh, folks, it's, it's never dead. It's there. It's going to keep trying to rise up. It's going to treat, tr- keep trying to gain the ascendancy. If it gains the ascendancy in your life, not only does it take over in your area of, of eating, not only does it take over this, these kind of things, it gives a place for doubt to rule in your life to the point that you do not even know it. The disciples came to Jesus and said, why could we not cast it out? If they were in doubt, wouldn't you expect them to know it? Have you ever prayed for something and you, oh, I'm not really in faith on that. You can kind of tell. These guys had no idea. That they were in doubt. Because it was part of their, it was coming up in their flesh. Doubt can rise up on the inside of you and you not even be aware of it if you don't have ascendancy over your flesh. Got to gain ascendancy over your flesh. If you don't gain ascendancy over your flesh, your flesh will rise up. You'll rebel against authority. You'll rebel against God. You'll rebel against His Word. You'll rebel against the things that come up in your spirit to do. Constantly, rebellion will come up. You will distrust people that are around you. You will feel poorly about everyone in your life. 
This is flesh stuff. This is coming up on your flesh. You've got a flesh problem. We always think that our problem is our neighbors. Our problem is the people that we work with. Our problem is our boss. We've got a whole long list of people that are our problem. We don't realize our problem is our flesh. The reason you get aggravated in traffic is because of your flesh. They can get hold of your flesh and they can do some things. The reason that you get aggravated when you go to a restaurant and service is kind of slow, it's because of your flesh. I should have this. They should be doing this for me. I should be getting this. The reason that we treat some people not so kindly, it's because of our flesh. Your spirit wants to love people. Your flesh, not so much. Your flesh says, I want to love those who love me. I want to be kind to those who are kind to me. Your spirit says, no, be kind to those who are not kind to me. And that's where we need to to go. That's the journey that God wants to take you on. You've got to be ready to to go off in that direction. God God will do it. When Jesus comes down from the mountain and he hears what the disciples have been through, is he happy with his disciples? It sounds like he's kind of frustrated to me. Oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? Bring them here to me. Bring them here then. Cast it out. How come we couldn't do it? Jesus expected them to have done it. They didn't do it. I put this in your outline for you. We are most susceptible to doubt and unbelief when our direction starts in our minds and guides our spirit. We are the most susceptible to doubt and unbelief when our direction starts in our minds and guides our spirit. This is how most Christians... We're not talking, the world only has one way to be guided. That is through their mind. But you have the capacity to be guided by your spirit. Because you have a new created spirit on the inside of you. One that can communicate directly with God. One for which God can give you revelation for. That's the spirit of God connecting with your spirit. This is what you have. But Christians who walk the way that, that uh, unbelievers do are called carnal. They're carnal Christians. They make decisions the same way they always had. Through their mind. We are most susceptible to doubt and unbelief when our direction starts in our minds and guides our spirit. Now what's really tough is when you're dealing with Christians who don't realize this is not the way it's supposed to be. They think this is the way that it goes. This is the way that it happens. The opposite is also true. We are least susceptible when our direction starts in our spirit and guides our mind. That's how the Christian is supposed to walk. Direction comes from your spirit and then guide your mind. Too often, we do it the other way around. And they're called mental actions and decisions. This is when the impulse of my brain tells me to eat, drink, breathe, walk, see, all those kind of things. It's your... It's your brain that comes in. Isn't your brain involved and says eat? Doesn't your brain get involved when it says get something to drink? Your brain is telling your body to breathe. You're not even aware of it all the time. You're just breathing. Your brain is, is there telling your, your body to breathe, to walk, to see. It just comes from your mind. Your mind just tells the body to go out there and to do these things. But we also get to the place where our mind does things, makes decisions based upon what it has available. The mind only has a few things that are available. The five senses are one, what we hear, what we see, what we taste, what we touch. The five senses, 
or how we, we take these things in. The other one is the imagination. Your mind can imagine things. How many of you have ever imagined that people were thinking nasty things about you? Have you ever imagined death and destruction? Bad stuff happening in your life. We can imagine this. We're not pulling it from the things that we see. We're imagining it. But it becomes very real to us. And we make decisions based on this. I've decided not to like that person because they don't like me. How do you know that? Did they say something? No, they haven't said anything. I can, I can just see it. I can see it in their face. Don't do it. Don't go off that way. Actions are produced based on the understanding I take from what is received. I have actions, but they're based on the understanding that I have, that I take from what I perceive, what I've, what I've received, what I imagined. And my actions are based in my mind. And in my mind, I formulate, all right, this is how I'm going to combat this person. This is how I'm going to deal with the situation at work. This is how I'm going to deal with this neighbor. This is how I'm going to deal with this family member. And we begin to think about what can I do? How can I deal with that person? What can I do to hurt them like they hurt me? What can I do to show them this? And we think about these kind of things. These things come up in our mind. And they set our action. But that's not how it's supposed to be for Christians. It's supposed to be different for you. It's the impulse of my spirit that's supposed to be guiding me and directing me. My my spirit is the one that tells me, pray, worship, love, study the word, act on it. This, is what, this comes up out of my spirit. Your flesh doesn't want to do those things. Your spirit does. You've got to build up that spirit man. If you just go out there and fast and beat down your flesh and don't pray and build up your spirit, you're not helping yourself. You're just creating a vacuum. If you're going to fast and pray, you've got to fast and pray. Be praying all the time. doesn't mean that you have to have hour, two hour, and three hour prayer sessions. It means you just stay in constant communication with God. You keep talking with God. You let God reveal things to you. Now, it's decisions, a spiritual person. Their actions are based on the input it receives from revelation. God will reveal things to you. Remember when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God? What did Jesus say about that? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. See, flesh is not involved in this kind of revelation. Your Father is. Your, the Holy Spirit brings illumination. He comes in and He reveals. That's the two things here. Revelation and illumination. He is going to reveal things about the future. He's going to reveal things about people. Revelation will come up on the inside. Or he will illuminate a situation. He will bring light, shed light on the thing. Because right now we operate in darkness. All I can do is what I see. But then when the light comes on, oh, I can, this is so much better. This, it's all illuminated now. I can see what's going on. Too often we have had bad feelings about a coworker, bad feelings about a boss, bad feelings about a neighbor, and we've had very little interaction with them. Go over there and talk to them. Go over there and see if you can strike. Now, there are some people that just want to be nasty. I understand that. There are, you can't do this with everybody. Jesus, how did he deal with the Pharisees? Initially, he was receptive of them. Initially, he taught them. Then after a while, he shut them down. He said, I teach it in parables so you guys don't get it. 
But he initially did try it. They shut it down. There are some nasty people out there. Not much you can do for them. But there's a lot of good ones out. Don't, don't lose them. Go and sit down and talk with them. Find out. Now, maybe they don't hate you. Maybe they thought you hated them and they're reacting in a, in a way. That's terrible when, when two people, one thinks the other one hates them, the other one thinks the other one hates them, and they act like, like that towards each other. And you, you, you find out, well, I never hated you. Well, I never hated you. I thought you hated me. Don't, don't go on with that. You'll, hind, you'll hinder your life. You'll slow yourself down. You don't need to do it. Now, actions here are produced based on the understanding I am given from what is received. God gives me, He gives me revelation on this thing. Too often, we have faced a problem in our life. We have faced a problem in our families. We have faced a problem at work. And what we do is we look around and we collect all the data that we can and we spit out a solution. But what God wants you to do is put all that stuff away. Listen to the voice of your spirit. And when the spirit says do, listen to the voice of your spirit. That's why fasting and prayer helps out in this. Because it helps to get that voice of your flesh subsided and get the voice of your spirit to increase so that you can hear these things. You can take care of some situations that are going on at home, at work, all kinds of places. Listen to your spirit. Now, sometimes we get, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get direction in my spirit. Do this. Oh, man, I don't want to do that. Oh. Then you put it off. Don't do it. Don't do it. God tells you to get something done, get it done. You may not like it, but you like it better than you will otherwise. Now you look at some people in the Bible who made some decisions. Abraham was told by God, revealed in his spirit. Abraham, leave your family and go to a land that I will show you. A land flowing with milk and honey. So Abraham, he got up, took his father, his nephew. And they all went on a trip. They got up to Haran, and they stopped there. And God had to come again. He said, Abraham, leave your family. Come to a land that I will show you. So Abraham left with Lot. And he gets on down to the promised land that God showed him. And he sees that in this land flowing with milk and honey, that there's a famine in the land. How does he see that? With his eyes. He, he sees, there's no food here. So he makes a decision. Remember what his decision was? I'm going to go to Egypt. And so he goes on down to Egypt. And down in Egypt, Pharaoh takes a liking to his wife. And he says, look, just say you're my sister. Because, you know, it's kind of half true. You're half sister. Um, just say you're my sister. And we'll be, we'll be okay. I don't want them to kill me because of you. So that's what they did. Eventually it came out. They were husband and wife. Pharaoh was mad. He said, get out of here. So he went on back up to the land of Canaan. I guess by then the famine was over. But why did he make that trip to Egypt? His mind put some things together. It wasn't revealed to him. What was revealed was, Abraham, get up, leave your family, and go to a land that I will show you. A land flowing with milk and honey. That was what was revealed. That came up in his spirit. But then his mind combated it. And that wasn't a good, a good way to go. He later on, he had a, up in his spirit, came, I'm going to bless you by a son that you will give birth to through Sarah. And so they, they went on and no, no baby. 
And so they got the idea. Hey, maybe if you go into my handmaid, we'll have a, uh, a son that way. And so they devised that and that never worked out very well, did it? See, our mind comes up with solutions. But your spirit gets them revealed. Remember Moses? He's over there in the backside of the wilderness tending the sheep and the goats and all. And sees the burning bush. God reveals himself to him in the burning bush. And he gets to him and he, he gives him the whole plan. You're going to go down to Egypt. You're going to deliver the people of Israel. This is what was revealed to him down in the spirit. And God told him about the plagues. He told him about how to take his, his uh, walking staff and throw it down and became a serpent. He told him about the leper's hand. And he told him about the plagues that he would do. And so Moses goes on down and he does these things. And then he gets opposition. Pharaoh doesn't turn. In fact, they get mad and they say, we're not going to give you guys straw anymore. You're going to have to find it yourself, but still make the same number of bricks. So now the people are mad with him. And the people begin to yell at Moses. And Pharaoh's yelling at Moses. Nobody likes him, seems to like Moses. So Moses goes away and says, I failed. I haven't done, done this well. It's not working out. Why does he do that? Because his mind is putting things together on this. His mind is saying, nobody likes me here. Nobody likes me here. Nothing's working out over here. I've got to be in the wrong spot. But what came to his spirit? Came up in his spirit going down to Egypt. We're going to do some plagues. At the end of those plagues, Pharaoh is going to kick you out of the land. God never said after the first plague that it would be done. God told him there would be ten plagues. And after we get done with the last one, he's going to kick you out. In fact, they're going to pay you to leave. But you see, that's what was revealed. In the New Testament, Paul teaches us that flesh is constantly warring with spirit. And spirit with flesh. Whenever you get a revelation from God to do something, the flesh is going to rise up. But we haven't learned the difference between our spirits and our flesh. And a lot of Christians go out there and say, well, God told me this. And the next week, God told them something different. And then they drop that, and the next week, God told them something different. Because they don't know the difference between their flesh and their spirit. But fasting, praying and fasting, this will, this will change this. This will help you to discern what is spirit and what is flesh. There's other people in the Bible who made a decision based on what was revealed. There are people who made a decision based on, on flesh. Based on their mind. You can go on through there with your mind, own mind. You can think of these. We've gone through a lot of the stories. You can probably just sit on back and just meditate on them and think on some of these. Now you also get these other Christians out there that think that if, it, if something doesn't make sense, it's God. I put this in your outline. No, I guess it's not in your outline. It's only in mine. Just because you do something of little sense to your mind and your five senses doesn't make it God. It doesn't make it God. It's God because it comes from His Spirit to your spirit. That's God. Not because it doesn't make sense. There are, how many of you ever had it? God has revealed something to you in the Spirit and it makes sense to you. Oh, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I understand how that can work. And you went ahead and did it and it worked. There's other times that God may reveal something to you. I'm not quite sure how that's supposed to work. But you know it came from your spirit, so you went out there and did it. Remember when they were wandering around in the wilderness? And God told them to do some things. He said, strike a rock. 
and water will come out. Well, that doesn't make sense. Why would we strike a rock and water would come out? Go up to the, to the river. Put your staff over it. It'll split apart. Well, that doesn't make sense. I've never seen that happen before. Go out there and dig ditches. One of the kings was told. Go out and dig some ditches. Why, we're at war. Why are we digging ditches? But if you remember the story, water came on down, filled up those ditches. The enemy saw the, the water, saw a red reflection on it, and said, oh, they've killed each other. Let's go on down there and take the spoil. Found out they didn't kill each other. They were still there. Israel won a great battle. Great victory that day. It's God because it comes from your spirit, not because it makes no sense. Whether it makes sense or not is irrelevant. How many of y'all know some of the things that Einstein says he could speak to us and we would say, that doesn't make sense to me. It would have made sense to him. Just because your mind can't get around it doesn't mean that it, that it is or it is not God. You're going right back into the flesh then. You cannot make decisions based on your mind. You make them on your, in your spirit. There's a lot of times people did things in the Word of God that did not make sense and it was not God. Remember Jeroboam. God says, if you'll follow after me, I'll make you a house just like the house of David that will endure forever. And as soon as Jeroboam takes the throne, a thought comes to his mind. And he says, if the children of Israel keep on going down to Jerusalem to worship, they're eventually going to get tired of me and they're going to go after him. They're going to go back to the house of David. Then they'll kill me, kill my family. Probably can't have that. Here's what we'll do. We'll build two golden calves. Put one over here in Bethel, one over here in Dan. And we'll tell the children of Israel to worship God here. We'll make priests out of every tribe and not just Levites. We'll make our own feast days. We'll do things our own way. Now you listen to that and you say, that doesn't even make sense. Why would you do that? But that's what he did. Doesn't even make sense. Look at some of the things that Saul did. Saul just was irrational. He did things that didn't even make sense. But it came to his mind. David doesn't like you. David's he's out after your kingdom. It wasn't it wasn't good. Just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean it's God. But it's going to come up in your spirit. We've got to learn to be led by our spirit and not continually led by our mind, calling it our spirit. The spirit of God is very distinctive. It operates on the principles of love. It operates on the principles of light. God is light. God is love. It's the nature of God. The nature of God is to illuminate things, not to conceal. This is what God does. God operates in love. Doesn't mean he's not ever stern. Doesn't mean he's never not always corrective. He will offer correction. He will be stern at times. But God operates consistently. Listen to his spirit. God does not reveal things to you about someone else to drive a wedge between you and them. That's not God. That's your flesh. That's the evil one. When you hear something like that, don't, don't buy into it. Don't take it. Go and get rid of that thing. You can get thoughts about your boss. 
You can get thoughts about other coworkers around there. And this can disrupt your entire pattern at work so that you become unproductive. And then eventually they let you go because you became unproductive. You weren't doing the things. You didn't trust anybody. Nobody trusted you. But you made that yourself. Listen to your spirit. Listen to your spirit. You can bring light and you can bring life to everyone around you. You can bring it. If you follow the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit of God. Father God, I got the situation at work. I got the situation with my boss. I got the situation with this neighbor. I got the situation with this, whoever it might be. I need wisdom. And James said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. So Father, I thank you that you give me wisdom in this situation. And then we listen for it. We listen for it. And watch the words of your mouth. If you've got a situation that's causing you confusion, don't go around confessing confusion. What are you going to do about that? Oh, I don't know. Every time I think about that, it drives me crazy. And every time I think about that, I, I just don't know. I just I don't have an answer for that. Well, that's why you don't have an answer. Don't, don't be going around talking like that. Well, I prayed, asked God for wisdom. I thank God wisdom for what I need to do in that situation. It is on its way. It is on its way. Revelation is coming to me, and I'm going to know exactly how to handle that thing, and it's going to be good. So that's a whole lot better way to talk about it than the, the other ways that, that we could do. You don't have to talk negatively about it. You don't have to say you have something you don't have. That's, if, you, if you go up to somebody and say, well, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah, what is it going to be? Well, uh, can't really uh, put it to words. Uh, <laughs> no, if you don't have it, that's fine. That's not a lack of faith because you don't have it. You just go, I thank God wisdom has been sent to me. Wisdom is mine. Then I'll know exactly how to handle that situation. And I'll know how to bring life into it. I'll know how to bring good things into it. I'll know how to help those people that are around me. I'll know, I'll know how to make work more productive. I'll know what to do. God will give you wisdom on, on what to do to keep the thing going. Because God loves you. He loves you. And you love Him. Let God speak to you. Father God, I need wisdom. God will give it to you. God will give you that wisdom. But you see, if you just step out into a situation, if you would have been Jesus with a woman from Tyre and Sidon, and she said, help my daughter. Well, okay, let's just pray about this right now. And nothing would have happened. Because if you were Jesus, it would have been outside your jurisdiction. Jesus said numerous times, I am sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That would have been outside of his jurisdiction. So he says to the lady, can't take the bread for the children. Give it to the dogs. She came right on back. Yeah, but even the dogs eat crumbs from the master's table. She said, all I need is a crumb. I understand I'm not sitting at the table. I understand I'm not at the, the ones that you are here to minister to. But all I need is a crumb. And we get healed. And Jesus said, because of your words, because of this statement, she put herself into the jurisdiction of faith and Jesus can always minister to people in the jurisdiction of faith. The centurion was not one of the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but he was in faith. And there were others. They were in faith. God will always meet people in faith. Get people within your jurisdiction. Don't go finding people where there's a sick person over there I don't even know if they want to be healed. That's something you've got to find out. What did Jesus always ask people? What can I do for you? I, I want to be healed. 
I want to be cleansed. He'd always make them say it. Because I gave him an open door. I gave him jurisdiction in that area. Have we stepped into areas that are not under our jurisdiction? Have we stepped into areas in prayer that God has not said that's an area that you can pray for? There are areas like that. There's wills of other people that are involved. And you do not have jurisdiction over their will. You may want to, but you don't have jurisdiction over their will. What do they want? What have they already put in motion? There are some people who put some negative words in motion. We were listening to my brother, Brother Keith Moore, in the, in the shop when we were standing. And he was talking about a, of a story of a lady. And she had been saying for, I don't know, years, decades, because her, her mother, I think her mother before then, died of a certain type of cancer. And so, you know, people are always telling you, well, you're going to probably die of that too. That's probably going to come. So she was saying, I will not die of cancer. I will, that cancer will not take hold of my life. That can't, and she just kept saying that. She kept saying it. And then on one day, she got a report from a doctor. You've got this cancer. And she just became totally sullen, depressed, down. And she came over, Brother Keith got, got, got word of it somehow, and they were, he's ministering to her. I know this was a healing school. I don't remember that one. But anyway, I was talking to him. And he said, well, he says, you're not dead yet. Just because you got a report from a doctor doesn't mean that it's negated all those things. You've got decades, years of speaking these words. Hang on to them. All of a sudden, she brightened up. She says, well, yeah, that's right. That's right. I've been saying this. You have been saying it. Now you, So she went on from there. Instead of being downcast and sullen, she got up and said, no, I, I am going to live. Cancer, you have no place in my body. And I don't know how long. I forget the, the story now. Um, week, couple of day, couple of weeks, something like the report came back and out. No cancer at all. It's all gone. Don't negate the positive words that you've said. But understand, you cannot negate the negative words other people have said on your authority. You cannot do it. If they have spoken words that say, I'm going to die. You cannot negate that. They have jurisdiction in that area. Your heart may want them to not die, but you don't have jurisdiction in that area. You've got to realize what you have been given jurisdiction over. And over someone else's will, God does not even have jurisdiction over someone else's will. How could you? Because our authority comes from Him. Whatever He has not put under His authority, and another person's will is not under His authority. Otherwise, all people would be born again. No evil would be going on in this world at all. But it does happen, and it does go on. Because he's passed these things on. We, we can do what we want to do. Other people can say those words. They may not want to die of that thing, but they keep saying it. They're going to. You can't negate that. Understand what your, your power and authority can do. Don't step over those areas. It's outside of your jurisdiction. Just like Jesus. He did not jump in and minister to this person because he knew, as of right now, it's outside of my jurisdiction. But in talking to her, he gave her a statement. And based because of her, he, he gave the statement first, didn't he? Based on her answer, put her in faith. Because of the words of your mouth. Because of the statement that you just made. By your, your, your daughter as well. 
by your faith. That's all that had to happen. Understand jurisdiction. Understand that it may be, it may be sad to God that someone's going to die. But they've set the words in motion. Don't go out there and say, well, I'm going to pray over this anyway. Why? But listen to your spirit because God can't give you a way to bring who, someone who is outside of that jurisdiction inside. If there's a way, he's going to know it. Listen to your spirit. Your head won't figure this out, but your spirit can hear it. And down in your spirit, you'll get that revelation and it will come to you. And then you can just speak that on out. Whatever it is that he says, you can change that situation around. There is no situation you cannot change around. If you listen to the Spirit of God, He'll help you to, to alter it in a good way. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the love that you have for each one of us. I thank you, Father, for the love that you have for all those that are in this world. Your desire is that not a single one of them would die without knowing you. Not a single one of them would die of sickness and disease. We know that there are people that are on the course for that, but it's not your will. When we come to you in prayer, our prayers cannot waste time trying to convince you to do something that you've already said you would do. But Father, we need to just come to you and ask for wisdom. How can I get that person into the jurisdiction where I can change it, where I can do something to help them? And Father, if there is a way, you'll speak it to us. You'll show it to us. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you that we can change our situations. We can help those people around us. We can take those that are frustrating us and turn them into those that are beneficial for your kingdom. We can listen to your spirit. We can spend time praying and fasting to build up our spirit man tear down our flesh, man. Thank you, Father, for the help that you give us in this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Did you think back over these things? Have you thought about some situations where I think I've prayed outside of my jurisdiction and it caused me a problem? Hope you can go back there and in your own mind just release that. Just release. Father God, I blamed you for that, for not answering, but that wasn't the case. That, that was not the case. I, I did something I shouldn't have done. I stepped out where I didn't belong. I didn't give those folks an opportunity to change their jurisdiction. God will change these things for you. Amen. Do we have some praise reports? All right. This is from Nick. Um, he says, this past Wednesday, I graduated from nursing school. Hey, congratulations. Um, so as of today, I'm a graduate of nursing, and after I take my board, I will be a registered nurse. I want to thank Pastor Ms. Connie for teaching the word so I could know God's promises for me. I also want to thank the whole church for showing me how to be myself in the body of Christ. Ultimately, I want to thank God and praise God for his works um, through all of us. And he has put all of you in my life as an example of how to walk in his truth and in his care. Amen. Praise God. Uh, this one is from Nic- Nikolai and Alyssa. They said, last week going over the bills, I noticed um, the intro APR on one of our credit cards was coming up. And we were about to be charged a crazy amount of interest. How many of you have those credit cards where you transfer everything over to a zero interest and for a certain amount of time and then you have to pay it off? I love those cards. Uh, <laughs> um, because we have been budgeting correctly, 
we were able to free up some money to pay down this bill. Um, we still didn't have quite enough, so we asked God for the extra $300 we needed. Within two days, we had it. Amen. Um, we had this bill paid in full, only taking a small amount out of savings, which we will have replenished by the end of this month. Hallelujah. See, once again, God will show you how to maneuver things. Amen. All right. Daryl back there, he says, God granted us great favor with the school board this week. Hallelujah. Which school board? Alicia or Alicia's? Amen. Um, Ray says, this week I received a message from the Lord. I often feel that I do not make an impact on anyone. This week a co-worker sent me a note thanking me for my example as a Christian and someone he can learn from in his faith and in his nursing career. Amen. Always encouraging. Amen. You have some prayer questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. All right. Uh, Margie, you want to pray for baptism of the Holy Spirit? You want that right now? Amen. Yeah, okay, come on. No reason to wait. If you want to pray baptizing in the Holy Spirit, God, God is here to do that. Let's all stand up again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on up here. Yeah, we'll lay hands on you. The Word of God says... Today at uh, 1 o'clock, we give you a chan- chance to go on out and get something to eat. 1 o'clock, we're going to have the end times class. If you'd like to hang around for that, all you got to do is come on back here. Around 1 o'clock, we'll be here in this, this room. We're going through the book of Daniel. End times is the easiest thing in the world to understand. It is not complex. It is not difficult. It is not hard. But it is important that we understand them. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be we're in Daniel chapter 9 today, the vision of the 70 weeks. We'll be covering the whole chapter here today. So if you want to uh, be part of that, just come on back here at nine o'clock, uh, 1 o'clock. Okay. We'll be here probably no more than an hour. Uh, might be a little bit less, might be 45 minutes to an hour, something like that. Uh, that will go on here to today. Have some lunch in the in the meantime. If you can't make it back, great to see you. Wednesday night we'll be here. We'll be finishing up the life of Josiah in our King series. That will happen on on Wednesday. And thanks to all who made it out to the work day yesterday. We got a lot of things done, the ceiling tiles and some ceiling work done in the nursery. We uh, were able to do, to do that. A lot of ceiling tiles were replaced over in the children's church. We got some uh, cleanup done in that closet over in there. And uh, a few other things that were, were taken care of. So we appreciate those folks who were able to make it on out to help out with that. How many of y'all saw the flags we had out there by the side of the road? Yeah, we got the flags flying out over there to um, encourage more people to know that we are over here. All right. Have a great day. Bless some folks.